You're listening to Tech Talks, the TV industry podcast from Broadcast Tech Magazine. My name is Jake Bickerton and I'm the editor of Broadcast Sport and Broadcast Tech Magazines. Today I'm talking to Frank Arthoffer, Global Head, Digital Media and Licensing at Formula One, about the Formula One Virtual GP Series, which ran during lockdown. It involved 11 Formula One drivers and high-profile celebs racing head-to-head on virtual versions of real GP circuits. The series received impressive viewing figures on digital platforms and TV during the time it ran. Art Hoffer talks about the success of the series and about future plans for Formula One esports, including whether Formula One might bring in real-time virtual racing to enable fans to join in live races virtually in an esports environment at home. So yeah, I'm Frank Arthoffer. I run the uh, digital media business, direct-to-consumer business, and consumer products licensing departments at Formula One. And as you can hear from my accent, I came from the US of A, so I was previously working at Disney, ABC, ESPN, and then after that, leading products and projects for Boston Consulting Group in the tech and media space. Are you based in the UK now, then? Very happily based in Notting Hill, which passes the test all Americans have of... Uh, <laughs> Did a Hollywood movie popularize my neighborhood? It's an essential criteria to tick off, isn't it? The virtual GP series come to an end now, but it seemed to happen quite quickly into lockdown. Was it something that you were doing anyway and you've kind of put into a bigger space with bigger names behind it? Or was it something brand new? You know, I think for us, what's always been exciting about the video game business for Formula One is a couple of fold. I mean, one, when we took over the business, we really only had one franchise, which was, you know, the core F1 game with Codemasters who do a terrific job. But, you know, we always felt that there was an opportunity in racing to service a number of different fans across a number of different formats. So we now have a management game. Um, we're entering the arcade space. We've done some collaborations with folks like EA around the real racing game. So it's been a big area of growth, you know, both from a fan engagement and, a, and an economic perspective for us. And I think more broadly, gaming is a cool and interesting space. Racing probably is better suited to, you know, esports competitions than most, you know, sports are, so to speak. The way that the esport is competed on is more like the real sport. You know, you use a simulator, you use pedals and a wheel, and you're able to operate and reflect some of the skills that some of the real world drivers have. You know, on the back of COVID, obviously, we had a big gap in the calendar to fill. The notion of building a really big event with the absolute pinnacle racers and the absolute pinnacle teams in the sport racing virtually is a very interesting proposition as we think about the long term in terms of building suspense and, you know, meaning in esports. And I think you pair that with great TV production capability and great creative minds who have been producing big sports events and building that suspense for an entire career. Mm. And it starts to become an interesting business. It got 30 million views across, mostly digital, but um, digital and TV platforms during the lockdown period. Um, yeah, viewers, viewers, I believe. Viewers, yeah, is yeah, it? Okay, that's interesting. Right, yeah. Those are impressive figures. Are these people that kind of esports fans or most sports fans? You know, obviously the competitive landscape changed so much during the last three months without sports. So, you know, you, you have to be careful and how you think about the data because the market changed. And so the context that you're operating in is very different. But what we do know is that the crossover is material. And I think that has to do in part with the product and in part with the distribution strategy. You know, it's been on broadcast TV across our biggest partners like Sky Sports and ESPN. And equally, it's been on, you know, Twitch, 
and YouTube gaming. And so you sort of reach a slightly different audience just by function of the platform you're on, by function mm. of the type of content that you're producing, mm. you know, driver live streams, not just a traditional broadcast live stream. The summary, I think, from our perspective, and you know, the data starts to show this, is that it didn't appeal to all core racing fans and it didn't appeal to all core gamers, but there's a fairly sizable audience in both. Mm. And so that starts to become pretty interesting as you step back from it and extrapolate, okay, if you were to run you know, a proper championship in a virtual racing context, could you build an even bigger audience mm. touching both of those demographics and both of those fan bases? And I think, you know, our feeling is that that's, that's very much possible as we look forward from the success that we've had over the last three months. And you obviously had some big names as well taking part in this, didn't you? Was it difficult to convince them? Well, it depends on the type of big name. I mean, we've had Charles Leclerc and George Russell, and we've also had Liam Payne, who you may be familiar with quite a famous pop star. I mean, I think it was not as difficult as it would have been three years ago. Um, Mm. I think the teams and F1 have such a strong working relationship in digital and gaming and some of these new areas of growth that it wasn't a difficult conversation to have. And for the most part, the reception was really positive. I also think that the nature of what it was made it a little bit more accessible. I mean, it was raced on the Codemasters game. It was ultimately a fun Mm. product. You know, it wasn't every driver on the grid racing in the absolute, you know, most competitive and difficult to use simulator in the market. So I think the notion of it being presented to the teams and to the drivers as a fun opportunity to engage with fans and do something new made it an easier sell. And the experience was uh, was a rich one and something that they'll look to do more of in the future. From a production point of view, it wasn't just you're watching a car and a point of view and that's it. There's a lot to take in and a lot of different data and info and different cameras and stuff. How, how long did it take you to work out how you're going to produce it for digital and TV? We luckily have the benefit of producing all of our Formula One races in-house with our internal team. And that's not an easy sport to produce live, <laughs> as I'm sure you're aware. 50 plus cameras around the track, three cameras strapped onto every car going 240 miles per hour at times is tricky. So I think we have a lot of in-house expertise and equally our, our partners in Gfinity who um, help us run the event bring a lot of broadcast experience in esports too. So, you know, between that group, I think it was a great opportunity to, you know, to test some new muscles and learn. One of the most resonant elements of the broadcast is having the drivers interacting with one another on camera live during the broadcast, you know, trash talking and um, (laughs) showing their personality in a way that you do get through team radio um, when you watch a live race, but not to the same degree that it was available without a visor and a helmet, for example, um, during the esports virtual GPs. That component of it, I think, is a bit of a canary in the coal mine for some of the things we should try to think about doing more of on the traditional broadcast side. Mm that enables us to, you know, pull the proverbial helmet off and give a little bit more accessibility and insight into what, you know, the drivers, the team principals, the engineers, the key personalities of the sport really look like during the race. It's easier with folks in the garage than it is with drivers in the car, but I think we took some interesting learnings away that we'll apply going forward. Other motorsports like uh, Formula E and I think NASCAR as well, they take data from the races that's happened, don't they, and apply it to an esports environment so that people can sort of play along. Is that ever something that you could do in Formula One as well? Yes, it is. I think the challenge there is that those products at this time are wildly unproven in terms of being a great fan experience. And so for us, you know, while we learned a lot in this experience around moving quickly, testing and learning and trying to adjust on the fly. I think, you know, we are the pinnacle of racing and we need to make sure if, if we launch that experience that we get it absolutely right. And 
I don't think that that's been cracked yet in the market. And so we're working on that with our partners across the gaming portfolio, but we want to make sure that we really build a proposition that is really, really meaningful and compelling for fans. It's not just something that, you know, is a lot of sizzle, but no steak. Nice one, Frank. Many thanks for, for doing this. Cool. Talk to yeah. you later, Jake. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Broadcast Tech Tours Podcasts. Subscribe now and I'll see you next time.